Welcome to the newly revamped Anxious Introvert Podcast. This show is dedicated to discussing real and intimate problems we face in our society and culture. This podcast is also grounded on providing mental health awareness and eliminating the mental health stigma. What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for tuning in this evening to the latest episode of the Anxious Introvert Podcast. I'm your host, Emmanuel, or like friends and family call me Manny. And again, I am so glad you're here. Uh, make sure to follow me on Facebook if you get a chance. Um, I try to release my podcast on there typically. And of course, it's a cool way to reach out to me or get to know me a little bit better. Um, you can find me under just my name, Emmanuel Dietrich, E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L, last name D-E-T-R-E-S. And then, of course, if you want to follow me on Instagram, you can as well, uh, Dietrich91, and that's all together, lowercase. Uh, let's get started, shall we? Uh, and before I continue any further, I kind of wanted to throw this out there. I mean, I'm not sure if I'm going to get any responses, but... Um, I'm getting really good feedback from everybody. I'm so grateful um, to everyone who's listening in, who's giving me a thumbs up, who's, you know, uh, trying to reach out to me via Facebook or Instagram or even through my own personal mobile device, uh, my cell phone. (laughs) I don't know why I said mobile device like that. It's super weird. Um, But, you know, for for those who would like to reach out to me, for those who would like to talk about this, but maybe they want to stay a little bit more private or professional, however you want to go around that route, um, you can actually contact me via email. Uh, it's going to be detress2014 at gmail.com. Again, D-E-T-R-E-S 2014 at gmail.com. Uh, just feel free to send me an email. You know, I'd love to get to know my listeners. I'd love to get to know or provide any further information about any one of my episodes or any kind of information I might have uh, jumped into uh, in my previous um, episodes. So without further ado, let's get started. Now, in my previous episodes, I know I've talked a lot about uh, my journey through and with anxiety, um, things that worked, things that didn't, how it felt, how it, you know, made me think, how it changed the very fabric of my being. I cannot express that enough. I mean, it truly was a hindrance. I mean, ah, gosh, I just thinking back to who I was last year and who I am now, not even the same person. So for this episode, um, I don't really have a snappy little title but it's really just staying mentally healthy with anxiety. And by that, I mean having a healthy brain um, through your experiences with anxiety. And that's super, super important because most of us and all of us who have experienced or are still experiencing anxiety, we go through these, you know, um, emotions. We go through these different types of um bad experiences that really start off in the very fabric of our minds you know it it really sort of births from our brain and then it just becomes inward and outward spills into ourselves 
spills outward and into those that are around us. And of course, what I'm talking about is anxiety. Anxiety starts in the brain. It starts with a thought. Now, as I jump into this, uh, the first part, I'm going to lay out some facts again. Like I said before, I'm a very analytical, very logical individual. So I love statistics. I love facts because it's information that you can count on. It's not information that I'm providing myself based off of my own rhetoric or based off of, you know, anything that's anecdotal for me. This is pure research on the research that I've done. Um, so let's kind of jump into some things that I think are pretty interesting. Um, one of them, which I think I've talked about this before, but again, the reason why I'm speaking about anxiety for this podcast is because anxiety is the most common mental illness in the world. In the United States alone, it affects over 40 million adults. Now, that's not even counting kids or teenagers. That number is substantially larger and, um, like, I really, really, I don't mean to be preachy about this, but again, do the research yourself. It's out there. You know, use Google to your advantage. Uh, not just Google, but scholarly, scholarly Google. That's what I use. Um, that's where they have the research papers that are most adequate for this kind of stuff. Now, in regards to anxiety in the brain, so there's a theory that's going around, around the scientific community, um... I forgot the psychologist or the scientist that basically came to this conclusion, well not conclusion, but a more of a hypothesis, is that anxiety um, uh, uh, stems from the marble-sized brain area called the amygdala. Now I hope I'm saying that right, A-M-Y-G-D-A-L-A, for those that want to research um, and find this out for yourself, um, which is, uh, it's, it's, it's your inner brain. Now, that inner part, the amygdala, is actually connected to your frontal lobe. Now, why am I saying all this? Well, because the frontal lobe area of your brain is where your sensations come from. It's where your thoughts and emotions uh, stem from, in a sense. Uh, anxiety is the result of constant brain chatter between a number of different regions. Now, uh... Before I kind of little, I got a little bit of a, a little bit ahead of myself. Excuse me. So that theory, which stems from the amygdala being the main focal point for anxiety, that really hasn't been scientifically proven. But instead, what has been scientifically proven is that anxiety, and I go back to that, anxiety is the result of constant brain chatter between a number of different regions. All right, it works like a fear network. Not one part, but many parts working together. So again, the frontal lobe is all of our sensations, our thoughts, right? That's where we begin to think about, oh man, you know, am I going to have a good day today? Um, do I have enough coffee? Is traffic going to be bad? Am I going to pass this test? Am I going to finally go to the gym? Things like that. Now, the amygdala uh, is the inner brain, which is the emotional brain. Um, so the emotional brain, which is the inner brain, the amygdala from there is where our emotions stem from. So I might've gotten that mixed up. I do apologize. Um, I'm just reading over my notes here. Um, so going off of that context, going, um, off of that, um, 
So the, the frontal lobe is also the cognitive brain, right? That's where we, again, that's where our thoughts come from. So that's where we're able to truly ground ourselves when it comes to anxiety. And I'll get back to that in a second. The amygdala is the emotional brain, right? So when it comes to anxiety, how it works is 99.9, 100% of the time, for those of us who have anxiety, our emotional brain took over our cognitive brain. So the amygdala took over the frontal lobe, which prevented us from having logic and reason to get us out of that anxious thought, to get us to, to uh, you know, to remove us from that anxious uh, situation. So what you want to do instead is reverse that. So um, what you want to do is instead, um, and excuse me if, if I'm saying this wrong, I'm looking over my notes. Here's an example. Here's an example, right? Let's say your anxiety fear stems from snakes, okay? So if you go out for a hike, your frontal lobe, aka your cognitive brain, is going to tell you, okay, snakes are rare in the woods where I'm hiking, right? You're going to tell yourself, all right, I'm, you know, I'm from Northeast Ohio, like everybody else who, or if you're not listening to, if you're listening to this and you're not from Ohio, from wherever you're from, for me, in regards to, I'm going to stick to where I'm from. So we have woods, we have things like that, you know, we have great uh, parks and all that, like everywhere else. When I go to the metro parks, um, I have a fear of spiders, right? So I'm going to replace snakes. I'm sorry. I'm going to replace snakes and instead use spiders and use my own example. So I'm going to tell myself, all right, I'm going to walk today uh, and I'm going to, you know, find spiders, but they're really going to be rare because it's such an open space. I'm going to be able to walk through good, clean areas and not run into or touch any kind of spider. Now, the uh the anxious brain like the fearful thinking steps from the amygdala which is the emotional brain from there i'm going to start going oh but wait what if a spider leaps down from a leaf gets in my backpack follows me home and then boom surprise wakes me up in the middle of the night with a really bad bite that's what i'm talking about that's a really really uh not a good example. Be, I mean, uh, yes, I'm scared of spiders, but I'm not that scared. Oh, okay, I'm very scared of them. But that's a good example because that's how the anxious brain works. So, again, last time. The frontal lobe, which is the cognitive brain, that's where our thoughts come from, right? You want to tell yourself, I'm not going to see that snake. I'm not going to see that spider. And, and, and like, if I do, it's going to be really rare and really, really a slim chance that that's going to happen. But then your amygdala, the emotional brain, is going to override that with strong emotions of fear, strong emotions of worry. And that's where your anxiety begins to seed from. Now, moving on from that, the reason why I wanted to talk about that to make that clear is because for me, that worked in regards to finding out more about you know, where my anxiety stemmed from, why I was so anxious, what kind of thoughts I was having. Because with anxiety, we all know we have some crazy thoughts. I'm talking like out of this world, crazy thoughts, like things we shouldn't really even be thinking about, but it happens. We're human. We're all normal. You know, we're all going through some kind of journey. We're all going 
try, you know, we're all trying to get to some kind of destination. But before we get there, our brain likes to play tricks on us. It likes to make us think that everything is wrong and nothing is okay. But that could not be more further from the truth. And I say this because I fell victim to that. For what felt like an eternity, I remember just, like again, isolating myself, which I talked about in my previous episode. And through that isolation, I began to have some really bad thoughts. Thoughts of overthinking, overanalyzing, thoughts, um, you know, just really, really horrible things that should not have been in my brain. Things that prevented me from going out, things that prevented me from being normal, things that prevented me from living out the life that I knew I wanted to live. Now, like again, I, I try to keep my my uh, my episodes as basic as possible because um, I don't want to get too preachy or too scholar scholarly in regards to these, you know, all these wonderful topics. You know, like uh, again, I encourage you do the research yourself because it will benefit you. It, it just, it's gonna open up so many doors to things you didn't know about, which will then lead you towards the path of recovery, like it did for me. So, it's, you know, essentially, I'm gonna keep this episode like the previous ones. I'm gonna name off some things that um, uh, keep our brains from being healthy. So essentially, these things I'm gonna talk about next, um, make our brains very very unhealthy which in turns makes our anxiety that much worse let's dig in so the first one is i mean everyone should know this and i talked about it in in my other episode uh overthinking now this is a big one it's so unhealthy to overthink because you get into a cycle you get into a rhythm where your brain learns it's like okay your brain is a powerful powerful really super powerful computer microprocessor right so like a computer it learns new tricks you know there's algorithms uh there's math involved somewhere um with all that put together whatever you think will come to be now that sounds like some kind of mantra or something or something that like i don't know someone gets tattooed on their forearm or whatever but the truth is whatever you think it will become if you if if you consistently think bad thoughts if you consistently tell yourself you're not good enough if you consistently think you're never going to get better from your anxiety that's how it's going to end up you're not going to get anywhere you're going to hit a wall and you're going to keep hitting it over and over and over again so please when it comes to overthinking i'm going to talk about um after i name these things off i'm going to also talk about uh basically how to get rid of overthinking and things like that. The next thing is overanalyzing, right? So for me, I'm huge on that. I overanalyzed everything I went through. I, I overanalyzed everything that I did. I, I mean, I would like, this is so stupid, but I even, oh, okay. So back when I thought that it, uh, coffee was the culprit of my anxiety, like I really thought, I thought a lot of things were the culprit, not just coffee, but a lot of different things. <laughs> it was really insane. I thought coffee was, you know, like essentially caffeine in large doses for people that have anxiety does give them the jitters. It, it, it will make you anxious and it will um, turn around and, you know, make your anxiety that much worse. So 
for me, it would be, okay, did I put too much coffee? Oh my gosh, I hope I didn't put too much coffee. Is there enough sugar? Like, what about the creamer? Oh, I don't know if I used the right creamer. Well, like, what about this creamer? It's too much sugar. Oh my gosh. All these different things. And then I took that. It's a small example, but that grew over time into things in life. If I messed up at work, oh, you better believe I would think about that for weeks and weeks and weeks, which would in turn make my work that much worse because it's a cycle. It's a cycle. It's, it's, a, it's a repetitive cycle that puts you in harm's way. It's a repetitive cycle that really doesn't get you to your destination, but rather it just takes you to a place where you don't need to be, a place where you shouldn't be. And when you overanalyze, guess what? Here's what happens next. You isolate yourself. Now, I won't go too much into this because I talked about this before in my other podcast, but or my other podcast episode, but um, isolating yourself is so unhealthy for your mind because through isolation comes overthinking through isolation comes overanalyzing you don't have any checks and balances you're not having somebody there to coach you through these thoughts you don't have somebody there to tell you hey 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 you're going down a deep dark rabbit hole don't do that all right now the next one is interesting the next one is being a perfectionist now i say this because me manny yours truly I hate to admit this, but I am a perfectionist. I'm a perfectionist to the T. I mean, it's so bad. I've developed a bit of OCD because of it. And and like I say a bit, but it's probably worse than that. I'm just trying to be nice to myself. But being a perfectionist uh, for those of us that are, you know, like for so for those of us that are essentially perfectionist and those that have anxiety coupled with that, that is not a good combination. That is not a good combination at all. And I say that because you don't get to value failure because failure in turns, not in turns, but failure in turn makes you, it basically gives you more wisdom right failure is good because you get back up again you try again it it gives you good discipline and essentially you learn and you grow from your mistakes how else are you going to learn how else are you going to grow besides failing but when you're perfectionist you take failure and you think it's the end of the world which in turn brings on overthinking and overanalyzing and you guessed it next thing you know you're locked up in your room for hours and hours not talking to anybody and all these negative horrible thoughts are just festering in your brain and it and your anxiety is getting worse your symptoms are increasing and it doesn't get any better from there so the other thing is also which this is probably a bit controversial but you know take it for what it is um spending too much time on social media now, in this day and age, you know, there's a thing called FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. So when you have that, for those of us who have anxiety, we stay home, right? We stay home. We don't want to go out because there's crowds. We don't want to go out because um, we might run into somebody who we don't like, or we don't want to go out because we just can't. So when it comes to anxiety and spending too much time on social media, we begin to have FOMO, right? Fear of missing out. Or we also begin to um sort of lust in a very conceptual that's a poor choice of words but we begin to 
get obsessed. That's the word I'm looking for. Obsessed with, uh, you know, finding out what's going on, you know, with other people, what's going on with our significant others, our families, what's going on in the world around us. Now, again, I'm not saying social media is the devil. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying, try to cut down some time on that because it's really important and super crucial to your mental health to not spend so much time on Twitter, on Facebook, or Instagram, or Reddit, or whatever site you normally spend 12 hours on. Um, the last one is really, really important because this is one that, again, I'm probably going to, you know, poke the bear here, but ignoring your feelings and emotions. I cannot express, I mean, again, ignoring what's in front of you, ignoring your anxiety, you really think that's going to get you anywhere? It's, it's going to lead you down a path of misery. It's going to just overpower every single happy thought you have. Ignoring your feelings and emotions puts you in a situation where you're prone to have an anxiety attack. You're prone to have a panic attack. I know this because that's what I did. I ignored my feelings. I ignored my emotions. I didn't want to deal with the fact that I had anxiety. I don't want to deal with the fact that I was going through this. So instead, I lashed out at others, at loved ones. You know, I got angry. Um, I got, I got uh, vengeful. I got very, very... I became sort of an uh, sort of a egotistic kind of individual when I was going through this because I told myself that I didn't need anybody's help. I told myself that I got this. I told myself, "Oh, look at me! I'm doing research. Oh, look at me! I've got my big boy pants on, and um, I don't need your help, man. Forget you." I couldn't be further from the truth, and boy, oh boy, I'm so glad that I made a complete 180 because I wasn't happy. I I, I just I wasn't who who I knew I could be. And pushing back on my feelings and emotions instead of talking about them. I mean, I was prone to having an anxiety attack and a panic attack like three times or four times a week. Sometimes two in one day. Okay, I, I regret it to this day. But I learned. I learned quite a bit. Sorry about that. I'm turning my pages. So you're probably asking then, all right, these are a lot of bad things, right? And there are numerous, there are a ton of other bad things too. But again, um, if you know or you think uh, there's another thing that could be wrong, if you believe there's something else that you're going through that I did not mention, reach out to me, you know, send me a message on Facebook, send me a message on Instagram, email me, reach out to me. I'd love to learn and hear more. So now you're asking yourself, all right, Manny, so those are some pretty bad things. What are some healthy things? What are some good coping mechanisms? What are, you know, these are some good ways to take your brain to the gym. That's right. We're going to take your brain to the gym. And just like the gym for your body, over time, through dedication, through practice, you will get better. You will feel better. And things will begin to unravel. And next thing you know, your anxiety is going to just continue to drop and get better and better. So the first thing I want to talk about is meditation. Now, when it comes to meditation, right, some of you are probably picturing, you know, probably like sitting down Indian style with, you know, your fingers up, your hands up and going, oh, and if you do that, great. 
I'm not gonna make fun of that. Why? Well, cause that's not my preference, but it might be yours. And who am I to judge? So if you're thinking about that or any other kind of example when it comes to meditation, guess what? You are correct. Um, for me, what I discovered was sometimes when you're out and about, um, I, I, I always like to have my headphones with me, whether it's at work, home, at the gym, um, boxing, or if I end up, you know, just wherever I go, I make sure to have some headphones with me because when I, for me, when I was going through my anxiety and I still am, but it's about 5% compared to 120,000% last year, um, I had headphones with me because for me, what worked was listening to music, listening to soothing landscapes, um, ambient noise, things like that. That could also be your meditation, right? That's a, that's a really good example of that. So for me, I would put my headphones on and I would listen to various apps on my phone. I have an iPhone. So uh, for those of us who have iPhones or Androids or you know the Google Pixel, I don't care. Whatever phone you have, there is an app for that. <laughs> you get it? It's like that commercial. <laughs> Anyways, so through meditating that way, I learned techniques to how to breathe better. I learned techniques on how to free my mind at that moment, breathe in, breathe out, and essentially come back to reality. And it helped. It didn't help every single time, but it sure as heck helped the majority of the time. Now, three of the apps that I really enjoy, one of them is called Calm. Uh, essentially, it gives you like ambient noise and soothing, calming music that you can listen to on the go. Um, so for those of us who are living the busy life, if you, you know, meditation can be yoga. Meditation can be listening to one of these apps. Meditation could be praying. Meditation could be just straight up meditating alone somewhere. It could be, um, like I said, these apps, or it could be, uh, journaling slash writing. I do that as well. Um, but I'll get back to that. So the first app is called Calm. It's really good, really refreshing. It truly helped me when I had my deepest, darkest parts with my anxiety. The other one is called Headspace. That one you have to pay for, but it's a great app because um, it's guided meditation. So, it, 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 you know, for those of us who are brand new to this, Headspace really is a great app, for, you know, if you want to start doing that kind of meditation. The other one is Sleep Pillow. I like that one because when I have insomnia... And you know, with, with anxiety, everybody has insomnia. Um, well, most of us. Um, and for those of us that do, for me, if I can't sleep, I turn on that bad boy and I listen to rain. I listen to soothing, you know, like ocean, like tides and things like that. Um, like the beach, you know, it puts you in a calming state of mind is what I'm trying to say. So again, calm headspace and sleep pillow. So, you know, for, so for those of us who are religious, for those of us who are not religious, um, if you are religious, praying is another way to meditate. For those, for those of us that are not religious, um, then yoga is your route or straight up meditation. You know, just whatever works, who cares? As long as it works, do it. Do research on this. Find out what works best for you. And again, going back, writing slash journaling. Now, I've got like three notebooks filled with notes. The reason why I enjoy it is because I've been able to see my progress from last year up to now. And to go back 
um, to reflect and to acknowledge where I was and where I am now truly has made an impact on my overall mental state. It's allowed me to realize, wow, I am doing better. And it's allowed me to go back to my notes whenever I have a bad episode, whenever my anxiety is too much, I go back to it. And it truly, truly helps. Now, the second one is talking to a loved one. Again, I mentioned this in my last episode. I really can't stress this enough. Do not go on social media. Do not be one of those people that types up a post on Facebook about, Oh my gosh, I wish I had somebody to talk to. My anxiety is so bad. I'm not mocking you. I'm not making ill of your situation. But I'm telling you how wrong that is and how unhealthy that is. Not everybody is going to care about what you're going through. That's the sad truth, right? Not everyone's going to care. There's only a select few, and those few you call friends. Those few you call loved ones, or your boyfriend, or your girlfriend, or husband, or wife, or baby daddy, or sugar mama. I don't care. Whatever it is, talk to somebody, okay? I I really can't express that enough. You're listening to this podcast, right? We're communicating. Well, I mean, I'm doing all the talking, but you get what I mean. You're listening to somebody else, somebody who knows what you're going through. Now, the other one is get educated. Again, get educated, my friends. Please, I beg you. I'm going to give you uh, a couple examples of some books I'm reading right now that I've been reading since last year. And let me tell you, they are amazing. The first one is called Switch on Your Brain by Dr. Caroline Leaf. Last name L-E-A-F. First name C-A-R-O-L-I-N-E. Caroline Leaf. Her book is tremendous. I think I read it in about three weeks or less, I think. It's got a 21-day brain brain detox as well, which is critically acclaimed. It's a phenomenal book. I will say she is a devout Christian, so um, she does tie in the scientific world with the spiritual faith world. Um, uh, The other one that I really, really enjoy is called Mind Over Mood. Now, this one is more of a textbook. I mean, really, really, it really is a textbook. Um, This one is by Dr. Dennis Greenberger and Dr. Christine A. Looks like Podesky. I'm sorry, I'm butchering those names. It's the second edition. I believe you can find both of these books on Amazon or wherever you shop. Um, Target, Walmart, those kind of stores have price books. Um... Barnes and Noble, things like that. Uh, so Dennis Greenberger, Christine A. Podesky. Uh, the book is called Mind Over Mood, which is the second edition. That's the one I'm reading. There's other editions, but this one I deem to be the best. Uh, jumping into that, the next and last thing on my list to wrap things up, the Mind Over Mood book dives heavily into cognitive behavioral therapy. What is cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT? Now, this is probably new. Um, if you're if you're tuning in, you've you've never heard this before. It's it's a new concept. It's been tested and um, medically studied since 2004. To define cognitive behavioral therapy, um, it's it's a type of psychotherapy in which negative patterns of thought about the self and the world are challenged in order to alter unwanted behavioral patterns 
and treat mood disorders. So it basically exposes you to your deepest, darkest fears, things that you've been running um, from, things that you don't even know you're dealing with. It really opens up your mind, all right? It's essentially, it's like taking your brain out and analyzing it yourself and having a doctor there with you. It's phenomenal. It's a phenomenal holistic approach to anxiety. Um, I've done this myself. I've been doing it since I want to say the summer of last year. I'm continuing it because it's so beneficial to my overall mental stability and mental health. Again, cognitive behavioral therapy. And the book that's helping me is The Mind Over Mood, second edition. Guys, thank you so, so much for tuning in. It's been such an honor, such a blessing to talk to you uh, today about keeping your brain healthy, keeping your brain active when it comes to having anxiety. And again, make sure to follow me on Instagram if you get a chance, Dietrich91, or Facebook, Emmanuel Dietrich. And if you have any questions, any concerns, if you just want somebody to talk to, feel free to send me a message. Feel free to hit me up on Facebook. Um, and also feel free to email me if that is preferred choice of contact. Again, that email is detris2014 at gmail.com. And guys, I hope and pray you have a phenomenal day and a phenomenal week. And remember, enjoy the simple things in life. Until next time.